Welcome back. Dude, that intro. I know. I love that intro music. So sick. Yeah, I found it on uh, some like podcast intro website. And I was going through like 15 or 20 songs and that just, that that ending. I was like, yeah, that's it. I heard the electric guitar and all. I was all in. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in. I was in a guitar. Red, ready to flip over tables and kick down doors. So um, we promised a really deep conversation last week. Oh, no. And so, um, you ready? <laughs> I have no idea what you're about to say because I've slept since then. But yeah, let's see. Let's see what we're, we're, gonna, we're doing today. Actually, let me pull up the, the text that I sent you first because it, this, is, this is a good segue of getting the, the conversation set up. Where is it at? Okay. So I texted Adrian this um, last Thursday and it was stemmed from the conversation that we had the day before and me thinking about, you know, me as a kid and my grandfather having that conversation of, you're not a dumb Mexican and finding value in who I am culturally and, um, and knowing my worth. Right. So I was on the treadmill and, watching ESPN, seeing all these uh, Latinos play, you know, in, in baseball and MLB. And I started thinking about what if they weren't allowed in the States to play? What would baseball look like? And then a couple of minutes later, you know, I think they had like Fox news on or something like that. in one of the TVs. And then I see, you know, SB 42 and topics around mid, uh, immigration and this thought came to me, and this is what I texted Adrian. I said, when you single a person out, it catches fire and limits your progression. So ra- racial tension is showing your inability to partner with God because we aren't looking at people like Jesus does. And you and I, last week we talked before, we were going to do the podcast on this last week and we decided not to, but you know, we talked a little bit about how... So you want to talk about race? Yeah. You want to do that conversation? Yeah. All right. Just to set some context for the people. <laughs> so we're, we're starting out with like just some light conversation. Some light conversation, yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, why don't you why don't you talk about what you had told me? Like, there's you and I have very similar upbringings. And you don't have to get into like the details of sure. the conversation that you had with this individual, but you've been in a position where someone has quieted you in some way when it came to immigration because you weren't living in Mexico and you didn't cross the bridge or the river or, or you, you, you weren't in that process of trying to become a naturalized citizen. Mm-hmm. Neither have I, but we both have family mm-hmm. that have, and there's very impactful things that we can offer up in those conversations. But because maybe some individuals don't see us as, well, you didn't live it. You can't speak to it. Yeah. I don't know. It, what I said last week when we talked, we, I think we talked after the podcast, and one of the things I was pointing out is that talking about immigration and race is like a barrel of fish hooks. It's, like, it's just, there's a lot of different elements to it. Um, 
it gets politicized a lot. Um, but I think everybody's experience is unique in that. And I kind of feel like in a lot of ways we're, we're dealing with the, with all the symptoms and not dealing with the root, the root problem, the root cause. And I'll actually take, take it back a little further. And what, what I mean is like one of the root problems or root causes I see is we, we don't see each other. It's true. I say this all the time that Paula and I pray all the time. Um, Jesus, let me see others as you see them so that I could love them as you love them. If I see what you see, I'll be compelled to love the way that you love. And that crosses, that'll cross, you know, um, cultural boundaries. Mm -hmm. That'll cross cultural differences. It'll cross socioeconomic differences. It'll cross um, station of life differences. Mm -hmm. But there has to be some kind of desire to see a, a person first. I think I've said this many times and it just feels very, um, it feels very right in my heart. I would much rather learn about a culture through the lens of an individual than try to learn about an individual through the lens of their culture. Yeah. That's good. You know, I want, I want to know who you are first. Um, and then your culture all those things are ornamental to who you are as a child of God, to who you are as who he created you to be. Um, but do we see that first? And I think, I don't, I don't know that we see that first. I think we see people and we see the superficial, the exterior, the things, basically the, the things that are easy to see. And I think our brains are lazy. And I think we see, oh, that person's this particular age, demographic, station of life. And our brain tries to save us the energy of discovering who they are and just makes a lot of assumptions and creates a character profile before we know anything about them. Yeah. And the problem is that sometimes that, that profile that our brain creates is incredibly inaccurate. Mm. You know, we, we don't, we don't know. So yeah. how do you deal with that? How do you, um, and I think one of the ways to deal with that is actually interacting with people, spending time with people and, getting to know who they are. Yeah. And here, here's something even a little more meta that uh, I remember a friend of mine, Billy, who I was friends with in, in high school. I remember Billy telling me, um, we were talking about race because this was like late eighties and something, there was something going on at the border and race came up and immigration came up and, and Billy was white and I was Latino, you know, third generation Mexican American. And, um, we're having this conversation and we never had any tension. Like I had friends that were white, black, Hispanic, Asian. It's like, we just hung out. And I think one of the, one of the connectors for us was music. We all, we were all into music and that yeah. kind of was like, that was the backdrop. Sure. So the other stuff didn't really, it wasn't a barrier, yeah. but we're having this conversation about race and Billy at 14, I still remember this. He said, you know, we often think that, that one of the greatest prejudices we have is because of race. He said, um, I, think, I think we have a greater prejudice against physical appearance. Yes. And I've thought about that since I was like 15. 
you know, sometimes, sometimes there's racism across cultures, but you ever notice how certain cultures are more accepting of others from another culture if, if they're successful, intelligent, charismatic, beautiful, athletic, if they've got all these things, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll welcome you. Yeah. And it's that, and then think about the divisions that happen even within a race. Mm-hmm. Oh, especially Latinos. Any any uh, race, yeah, I would any I would, race, I yeah, would say, sure. there's there's the beautiful and the attractive, the intelligent, the charismatic, the ones that have all these things. And as human beings, something in us views them more favorably than others. Well, true. God's word doesn't say that some of you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't qualify that. So even beyond, I almost feel like racism and cultural bias and those kinds of things are almost like they're like another level removed from the core issue. I think the core issue we have is we, we have trouble with difference. Mm. We have trouble with appreciating people that, that look different or that act different or even within our own race. I had a conversation yesterday with my cousin randomly. So this is like perfect. We were talking about our, my family, right? Like our extended family. And a lot of times remember growing up, like there was like this level of don't say too much around other family because there's, there's like this pride and expectation of like, um, competition. Like you don't want to look more poor than you are, or you don't want to, you know, make any family look at you in a certain way. Cause you know, just from my, from my perspective, you know, Latin families and the families that I've been around in my family specifically, um, very judgmental, like extremely judgmental. And if someone is not doing something that is normal to them, they automatically, begin to like talk them, talk down about them and things like that. And so we, you know, I grew up in this way that kind of almost set a wall up. And this, this kind of includes the the topics that we've talked over, talked about the past two episodes, which is kind of my pride, right? Like there's, there's things that I feel like God is chipping away because I've puffed myself up because I have felt a certain way because someone has looked at me a certain way. And, um, and now I, now I feel like I have to live up to this certain persona because I'm Latino and for some people, they may look at me and think successful guy. Um, and for others, they may not. And so now I have to, now I feel like, oh, I have to live like I'm a successful dude. So that's you, where pride comes but, from. But you see how many how many variables there are there? Hundreds. Like, think about it. You're talking about one person looks at you one way, so you feel like like that impacts you and you have to do something. Mm-hmm. Another person looks at you another way, you feel like, oh, that's going to affect my behavior in some way. Yeah. Not worthy enough. Okay, so if we're doing that with everybody that looks at us. Oh, geez. That's not manageable. No. How do you manage that? How do you manage walking into another room and somebody else looks at you a different way and you feel like you have to shift your character or behavior or sense of self because of how that person perceived you? Like it's tiring. Well, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. It is. It's impossible. And what ends up happening is we get exhausted and 
we also find this, this, we, we're starting to try to identify our identity by others' perceptions of us. Mm -hmm. And really the only thing that should identify my identity is who God says I am. That should define how I behave in every situation with every person. Mm -hmm. I am who he says I am. And if I'm confident in that, I don't care who's looking at me. It's true. The problem is that we're not always confident in that. We're not always aware. We're not always remembering that. We're not always holding on to the fact that I am who he says I am and I have value by mere fact that he created me. Yeah. I have value because I am his. I am his creation. That's what makes me valuable. You know, I, th- I think about how many times have I been told that as a child? How many times have you been told that as a child? Told what? You are valued by God. You are loved. Well, here, here's the thing. I think we say that all the time. We say that all the time. People get told that all the time. But are they treated in a way that's consistent with what they're being told? I heard something last week. I don't know where I read it, but it said, um, the way you look at somebody is the way you treat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if your parents tell you that, or if your friends tell you that, or somebody that you allow to speak into your life, if they tell you that, but they don't treat you in a way that's consistent with that, which one's going to have a greater impact on you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always the action. And I think about my kids. Like if I, if I want them to grow up, cause they're mixed, mm-hmm. you know, they're half Irish and, and Czechoslovakian. Uh, I mean, they're, I mean, they've got even Jew in them. It's pretty awesome. They're Latino. They look Latino, you know, my daughter more than more so than my son. She's got the brown skin. But I think about that. There's huge conviction in making sure that like as a dad, I'm setting the tone for them to understand their identity in Christ. Because I don't want them growing up with a complex of feeling like they have to be puffed up because I didn't show it to them. And that's a great, this is a great moment of accountability. Because I can, we can say this all day long. I can say this on here. I can sound really intellectual going into conversation and telling and and saying it to my kids. You are valued by God. You are loved by God. But if I'm a total asshole Mm -hmm. to them, that's not showing them. And so, um, yeah, there's huge conviction in this moment for that, to make sure that I'm leading well for them so that they don't grow up in moments of potential racism or disagreement um, or lack of education. I don't want them looking through the lens that I sometimes look at because, you know, going back to a story that I told Adrian, I was in the, I was in the grocery store and I was walking in the cold aisle trying to find something. I don't know what I was trying, trying to find someone for something for a customer when I was doing DoorDash and Instacart. And this old lady walked in front of me and 
I went to the right. She went to the right. I went to the left. She went to the left. And then she finally got pissed off at me and was like, go. And I took it as like a racist comment. And I was like, this mother, <laughs> if I had that little beat button right now, y'all, I'll be using it. But it really, it really made me upset. And I came over that day, I think, and I told Adrian about it. And he was like, well, what if she wasn't racist? What if she was just a, like a grumpy old lady? Grumpy old lady. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's one way to see it. And I've never thought about how or what the lens looks like that I'm looking through. Like we've talked about this on here, like dirty lenses or dirty. Yeah, there's that, there's that, um, that John Prine song called souvenirs. And there's a line in there that man, from the first time I heard it, I loved it. He said, uh, broken hearts and dirty windows make it difficult to see. And that's the lens I was looking through a broken heart and dirty window. If I would have framed my thought differently in that moment and I wasn't rude to her. Like I was like, you have a good old day, lady. And I just kept on rolling. But internally, it was chaos. But yeah, I mean, this, there's a lot of conviction there. And it's, in, it's interesting because, you know, you think about racism, you think about uh, disconnection of cultures. It's not always some white person. Yeah, I don't think any race has a monopoly mm. on racism. So good. Now, I understand the power dynamics and yeah, the majority, you know, what, what's the majority in power and minority? I, I get all that. But I think um, anybody can hate somebody else because they're different. It's true. It doesn't take it doesn't take you being white or black or. I was watching a I was watching a show the other day saying oh, there's somebody of a minority race on some show we were watching. It's like oh we can't be racist. And I remember thinking, huh? <laughs> it's like no, we you can. Yeah. Can and just were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, but again, it, it goes back to, it's such a challenging thing because then even, you know, to me, it, it's always kind of a, a nail biting thing when you, when you see people from one culture or race try to embrace it, I guess it's any different. It's not just race either. I see it happen with age and station of life. It's true. Um, when you see people from one particular group, genuinely trying to embrace from people from a different group and they do all the things that they think that you know the second group likes yeah and it comes off as patronizing and like oh yeah caricaturish but the desire the heart behind you know group one is no we're trying to do things that we think you can relate to yeah we're trying to do all these things that we think you like and you know the heart behind it is good but then it kind of comes off as all right, so you think we all love sombreros and ponchos? I mean, what, what the heck? Why, why is there a burro puñata in the yeah. room as soon as I walked in? I thought that's what you liked. Yeah. And that's what makes it even more complex is even when we're trying to, to love each other, even when we're trying to discover each other and, and do things well, there's this, we're all looking through these broken lenses. And I, and I think also to add to that, we, we make the assumption that we're all the same. I think one of the things that, that I would love for someone to ask me is not to assume that I just love margaritas and, and tamales. Do you love margaritas but and tamales? Don't get me wrong, guys. <laughs> a good margarita and tamale. Let me tell you a tamal. Um, but you, if, if someone were to come up to me and say, I want to do something that, 
like you did culturally as a kid, what would that be? You put on some Luis Miguel during Christmas and you have Bonuelos sitting out. That's going to bring me back to childhood. And you may not know how to make those, but you can get them at H-E-B. Yes. <laughs> but those, I mean, like, I think the thing is like switching up your, your frame of thought to what are the common threads that you see Latinos do or, uh, or any people of color and just ask them what are the things that you grew up with and then try to incorporate that. In any, in any scenario where there's a difference, I'll be honest, I've, I love bluegrass. I genuinely love, like as a musician, I, yeah. I love bluegrass. Sure. And every now and then I'm like, I would love to go to Appalachia, go to that area and just go drive around and just see. And just get to talk to people and see, learn about culture in that area, you know, kind of learn things like that. But then I wonder, it's like, okay, is that area brown friendly? <laughs> I don't know. That's what but I was joke. But I'd love to go find out. Yeah. But there's other cultures. It's like, I'd love to go. And I think it's not just the culture thing. It's like, no, I want to see what individual, like, what is life like for you? Yeah. I want to know who you are as an individual. And then again, I want to see the individuals first. That tends to be my desire is I want to discover the individual. And then what ends up happening sometimes is the culture becomes ornamental. You discover who they are and then you start seeing the culture and it's like ornaments around them as a person. And one of the ways that, that I found to do that, that seems to be that I'm comfortable with. And I, it's helped me to connect with people across cultures, across gender, across age, across station of life. Hey, what did you want to do when you were eight? You're going to say that. But like, by the way, I love that question. Like Such what, a cool question. What did, what did you think about? Like what kind of things did, made you happy? What kind of things did you want to go out and do with friends? What did you dream about doing when you were eight years old? Because at that point, you know, whatever that age is, we haven't, our lens isn't as jacked as it is when you're 30, when you're 20, when you're 40. You know, that that's like, I feel like when I ask that question, I feel like I have a better chance at getting a glimpse of the person, you know, who they are as an individual. Well, I love that response that Terry gave you when you asked him that question. He said he wanted to be an explorer. But what did he say after? He said, I still want to be an explorer. Yeah. See, that's so cool. And I loved, I loved, and there was another lady there and Terry's probably like late sixties. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting when I asked him that to see his eyes light up. Yeah. His eyes lit up and there was this excitement. There was this genuine joy of, yeah, I love exploring. Because ever since a kid, I was, I've always loved exploring. You've asked me that question. Yeah. You want to be a pilot? Yeah. Fighter pilot. F-18, F-16, which, which one of the die casts did you say you want? Man, that's a good one. Because I remember you mentioned one. You said you like those little die casts. It was either an F-18 or an F-16. I had both. I had both. And I think F-18 for sure. Um, yeah, man. Oh, man. That just brings up memories. Or was F-15 the, Tom, the Tomcat? The, the Tomcat, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, let me ask you that question. What did you want to be when you were eight? Heart surgeon. 
<laughs> what? No way. I have no idea why. It no always way. intrigued me. Something about something about the heart. Like, I don't know. I saw like a little Grey's Anatomy book somewhere and I was bored and I'm flipping through the pages and uh, I get to this, you know, to these little hand drawings and stuff like that of the heart. It just blew me away. That's wild. Yeah. I never would have thought that. Oh my gosh. It, it looked amazing. And even now, like, just thinking about how the heart works and how it just keeps going miraculously. Yeah. It just continues working. Yeah. That's always fascinated me. I chickened out of going to med school, but that's, that's what I wanted to do. As a yeah. Kid. Yeah. There was a point where I didn't want to be a doctor at one point, but then I'm not, I went, I went as a kid side story, just cause we're talking about it. it has nothing to do with this conversation, but as a kid in high school, I was a volunteer firefighter. Yeah. And uh, that was the first time that I ever witnessed death in like car crashes. Saw some wild stuff. Um, and after that, not for me. Yeah. I would totally go be a firefighter right now. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah. This- well, let me know. I know a guy. <laughs> a couple guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is good. I mean, I I think there's so many. I think at the end of the day, we get so wrapped up in things of the past that causes our lenses to look really messed up when we're looking at people. And I and there, what really what I wanted to get out of this conversation when I when I sent you that text message, and I evaluated it over the past week. There's so much beauty. And this is one of the things I'm actually learning in my season now. There's so much beauty in different cultures. And I've always been really just welcoming with different cultures. Like, you know, we, uh, in my, one of my old neighborhoods, we had a lot of Indian families from, like, from India and Pakistan. And we would try to include them, you know. Um, and they would bring over dishes. And, like, that's where I learned about biryani and, um, and, uh, samosas and anyways getting hungry um but when we limit who we keep around us because they don't look like us they don't you know they don't speak the same language or they grew up differently than us we limit ourselves from the beauty and the splendor of what god has created in all these other areas in this world i'll I'll give you an example real quick i was talking to somebody a couple days ago and they had mentioned they lived in Egypt and kids would ask her like, Hey, did you take a camel to school or did you take a camel to go to the store? And she's like, yes, I took a two hour camel ride to go get, you know, groceries. But there's a lot of like, there's a lot of people out there that don't have the education because they haven't experienced these different cultures and different people groups. And, just to think about that, like how sad is that? Like they don't, they haven't experienced that yet. And we're limited. We're limited because we don't, imagine all the things that we could learn from those people. Yes. But I think we could say that about anybody in front of us. So dude, thank you for the accountability. That's good. See, cause even that it's like, oh, well you're interesting if you're exotic. You're interesting if you're from this culture or that culture or something novel that's different than me. The thing is that Every single person you meet is unique and different than you. That's good. That is great perspective. Every single person. And it's like, 
but there's certain markers or there's certain things that society values or sees as novel. And we fall into that. We fall into that perspective of, oh, well, if you're from halfway across the world, then, oh, you must be beautiful and interesting. Man, dude, God, thank you. And like I was walking, there's, uh, I go to Circle K every morning to get coffee. Don't judge me, coffee snobs, but this is where I go to get coffee. There's a new lady that started working there. Um, and I know the, I know the, the people that work there. I know their names. It's like, there's Juan and there's Ashley and there's Annette. And then this new lady, I think her name's Cheryl. And she started about a week, two weeks ago. And I always look at their name tags. And I don't know much about her, but I know this. She smiles more than any of the other employees that I've gotten to know. I walk in there. As soon as I walk in, she looks at me and she smiles. Yeah. I want to know more. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be all creep and kind of be invasive, but like there's, there's stuff there. There's something unique. There's something beautiful and wonderful there that I don't know anything about. Sure. There was another lady who um, I was talking to her. We gave her a Christmas card last year, Annette, lady that works there. And I think Paula put a gift card or something in there. And I remember um, she didn't know who gave her the card because we just dropped it off. And then she asked, I signed the card, Adrian and Paula. And I walked in one day and she goes, you're Adrian and Paula, right? I'm like, well, I'm Adrian. <laughs> and she goes, thank you so much for the card. She goes, I don't want you to be offended, but I just want you to know that, you know, whatever y'all put in that card, I donated to St. Jude's Hospital. Oh, I'm like, awesome. oh, really? She goes, well, why is that? She goes, well, she goes, I'm not from Texas. I'm actually from Connecticut, but I've been here like six years. And I think it was Connecticut. And she said, in Connecticut, my um, my sister, and this lady's probably like in her 50s, late 50s. She said, my sister was the last case of polio in the state. She Whoa. actually had polio. She didn't get the vaccine early enough. Whoa. And she said, St. Jude's Hospital just took care of her and they supported her throughout her entire journey with that. And they never charged us a penny for anything oh. they did. Alex... This is a lady, this is a cashier at Circle K. Yeah. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. So good. That's beautiful to me, hearing that story. Like, Yeah, it's good. So how many other stories are there? Like, everybody you see, now I'm not, I'm not naive. This isn't rose-colored glasses. <laughs> We're all messed up too. We've sure. all got baggage and we've all got jerky sides of us and there's going to be times where we're, you know, yeah, that's there too but I truly believe that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you look at somebody with your heart posture and an interest in that person, if I truly believe that that person was created by God, I truly believe that if I look with interest, I'm going to see his brushstrokes and his fingerprints on their person. Yeah. And that goes for everybody. Yeah. It's so good. I was, uh, I met some new people at the gym and um, uh, I, I texted you about this one. And oh, yeah. we we struck up a conversation. We were, we were talking about like me doing muscle ups. So if you're listening. Were they they're the ones encouraging you? Being, yeah. yeah. My gosh, man. Like we ended up getting on a conversation randomly about our names. They're like, what does your name mean? And, uh, you know, Alec, Alex, short for Alexander, means like warrior. Great. And... Um, and then we started going around like asking, what does your mean? What does your name mean? What does your name mean? 
And one of the thoughts that I had is, and, and this guy said, you know, maybe like when you feel like you're, when you can't do another rep, we're talking about working out, right? But he's like, when you feel like you can't do another rep, just remember your name, you're a warrior. I was like, whoa, right, let, me, let me jump back up here and try to do another muscle up. And like, for some reason I, I was just so fatigued, but this is the thought that came from it. <laughs> Talk about that another day. Um, I thought about that. Like, well, my name was intentional. God planned it out for my life. And so, you know, I haven't done like, I'm not big on, I don't even know what that is. Like the name. Yeah, like a name study or yeah. Or, yeah. But I think about, well, God did that since the beginning. I mean, he changed Jacob to Israel. Mm-hmm. Because why? He wrestled with God. Abram to who? Abraham, father of Ben. And and then I started to realize, actually, our names are pretty powerful, if you think about it, from from a scriptural perspective. And so that made me think like, okay, well, did I, was I given my name, and my parents didn't even know this, to overcome the struggles that I have in life? Now I'm getting into like really, you know, philosophical processing here. There's a piece of me that's like, shut up. But there's, I think it's really powerful when you think about it. And and these people intentionally and genuinely just cared about who I was in the moment. Not about race, not about what I could offer, not my stigma, not my social media, none of that crap. Just who I was because they- They saw you. Yeah. And I, and I felt so good leaving the gym that yeah. day. Remember that. Remember how it felt to be seen. Yeah. And think about the fact that we have the power and the ability to make others feel seen. Yeah. So what are we doing with that? Yeah. Are, we, are we seeing others around us? Are we actually, and I've said this before, it's like walking out the gospel begins with the person standing right in front of you. Yeah. Are you seeing that person? Are you even aware that you could be seeing them? Or is it just somebody that's in your way? Is it just somebody that's serving you at dinner? Is it just somebody in front of you at, at the checkout? Like, does it even occur to you to see them? And I think that I think that takes heart work because I believe the more time we spend with God, the more we become like him. And I believe that he loves me and he loves people. So if I'm spending more time with him, I feel like that's going to mean that I'm going to, I'm going to love people more because he loves people more than I do. Yeah. That's so good. You're talking about the muscle ups. So just for CrossFit folks out there, CrossFit newbies, um, little life pro tip. AMRAP does not mean as much rest as possible. (laughs) It means as many reps as possible. Um, At least that's what I hear. Don't ask me how I know. Yeah. Get back on that bar. Pick up the bar. Yeah. So, and there is a complete, I learned that there's a completely wrong way to do a toast a bar. <laughs> I just picture a kid just dangling. Just, and then the, what's that? Uh, oh man, I forgot the name of the show. Dun, 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 dun. Is that the show? Oh, oh rest of development. No. 
No, you're talking about uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's right. Fail. <clears throat> yeah. There was, um, yesterday, Paula and I went and got a massage. Oh. We did a couple's massage down at the Domain. How was that? I haven't had a massage in like five years. This is not something we do very often. I mean, we, we just, we've been talking about it for a while. It's like, man, that'd be great. Let's go. So we went to this place. It was kind of a posh little place. It was kind of cool. And I'm self-conscious because like, I, I don't normally go to the domain. That's kind of a little more, I don't know. It's just not, that's just not my, it's a little bougie. It's just not my vibe. I'm, I'm cool with it. I went down there and I'm smiling and I'm like enjoying it and just trying to have a good time. And I walk in there and um, it was so interesting because the lady behind the counter, we're checking out and Paula's checking out with one lady and there's another lady at the counter and she's, she doesn't realize I'm with Paula. So she looks at me, she's like, yeah, can I help you, sir? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm with, I'm with, with my wife. And then I looked at her, looked her right in the eye. I'm like, how's your day going? Her entire countenance changed, man. Like her entire, like there was a kind of this little bit of a hard exterior, a little bit of an overly formal, little snooty exterior. And all I said was, real chill. Well, of course, I just had a 45-minute massage. So I was pretty chill as it yeah. was. I was like, yeah, how's your day going? And immediately her countenance changed and she's like, thank you so much for asking. I wasn't expecting to hear that. And then we went on while Paula was taking care of stuff and paying and stuff. Um, we talked like for five minutes just about how crazy the weather was yesterday. Cause like in the morning it was raining since like four in the morning, crazy at like noon, the sun comes out and it's all sunny. And, but we just, You're right. it was just like this, this little connection where that connection was made possible just because I'm like, I saw this person and just asked. Yeah. Like, I feel like we don't do that enough. And I, I say that because often when I do that with folks, they seem surprised. Like, well, why do you care? Yeah. And that's how, that's how conditioned we are to people just not caring and not seeing us. That when somebody does see us, you know, they're either delightfully surprised or suspicious because they think you're going to sell them something. Oh, <laughs> that happened last week. This kid shows up at the house and I was, I brought groceries in the house and then got the kids inside and I come back out and like, he's right at the door as I walk out and I'm like, sup? <laughs> and he's like, sir, I apologize. I wasn't trying to scare you. And I was like, that's okay. And I started walking towards the truck to get the rest of the groceries and he starts doing his sale in his little pitch. But the, the minute I saw him, and I thought about you were it. You're suspicious, weren't you? Oh yeah, I totally was. And I thought about it after. I was like, oh, I was a total ass to that guy. I shouldn't have been like that. And, uh, but yeah, that's very much it. Like a, we're conditioned for sure. Well, on the other side, here in town, Paula and I went to McDonald's, and um, Paula's car, like the one of the tires was low, so I was going over, and it was pretty low. So I'm like, I'm over at the tire, kind of checking it, and these two teenage kids in a in a pickup truck. Like cut off shirts, cowboy hats and stuff like that. They walk over and I'm just looking at the tire. I look at them and I didn't think anything. And they're like, hey, y'all need any help? That's awesome. Exactly. That felt amazing. Whose parents are theirs? I know, right? I'm like, 
they were like, y'all need anything? I mean, do y'all need like, do y'all need a ride somewhere? Do you need like help with the tire or anything like that? And they're probably like 16, 17. Yeah, that's awesome. Like those things matter. The, I think what was so powerful is that they took a moment and they saw us. Yeah. And it's not like this profound thing, but it is this profound thing. It's not, it's just something very simple. But I know Paula and I were talking about it the rest of the day. Yeah. They're teenagers. Yeah. Just think about how much, how much we can do on a given day simply with how we interact with other people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How much more impact we could have just by showing grace and mercy and love. God does it to us every day. Why don't we do it for others? Simple. What Paula said, what's your mission? To make people feel safe, seen, and loved. But in order to do that, you have to feel that in your heart. Yeah. And that's where the, the real work happens. Yeah. Like you can't, I don't think you can, you can try to fake those things, but it feels different when somebody's faking it. But when your heart's actually changed so that you want to make people feel safe, when your heart's changed in such a way that you want to make people feel seen, when your heart's changed in such a way that you want to make people feel loved, you do those things and they feel it. And that was, that was another thing that we prayed this past year. It's like, Lord, let them see us, but feel you. Because yeah. when you don't, it's going to feel like a DEI initiative. What's that? I'm sorry, I'm slow. Diversity. Oh, inclusion. yeah. Where... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not just trying to patronize you because you're different and I'm trying to meet some kind of diversity quota. Um, no, I'm trying to appreciate you because you happen to be the person that God put in front of me right now. <laughs> right. So good. Gosh, man. I love this. And just think of the potential. How many, how many different people do we interact? How many collisions? If we say every interaction with another individual on a given day is a collision, how many collisions do we have on a given day? Hundreds. At least for me. Just just a little glancing. And I'm not saying everything has to turn into this deep conversation. Right. But there's power in a moment. A simple hello. I'll tell you, there's there's been many moments at the gym because everybody's like so heads down and you know. And I'm walking around. Yeah, you know, I've made friends with people there. And you know, there's this guy Raul. He's like in his fifties. And he's such a good guy, man. Like Oh yeah. You mentioned him. Like he always comes up and he's like, You're all right. He points at me. You're all right. I'm like, Yeah, man, I'm doing good. He's like, All right, good. He's like, you look like you're dying. I'm like, yeah, I am. He's like, good, but you're fit. And I'm like, thanks, man. And then like, I, I'll go do that to others. Like I'll see people and I'm like, hey, what's up, y'all? It's like, see you guys in here all the time. And and in the moments, there was one moment where I did that. And uh, <laughs> this poor girl, she got so nervous. I, she was so, like, she's young. And uh, she kind of was like sh- shaking. I went to go fist bumper. I was like, I just want to say hi. See you in here all the time. But after, you know, I would say hi and she kind of would be like, Oh, hey, it's Alex. And, and it happened with me with this couple that, uh, these couple of people that ran into me this week and all because I was doing a muscle up. Uh, and I felt special and I was like, wow, that was, and as I see it as I got, returning the favor, right? Like not, not in that you know context, but like, I feel like he was giving me a moment to see like, Hey, people see you too. I see you. 
that's what it means to me. Yeah. Is it's God working through people saying, I haven't forgotten about you. I see you. So good. That's what I meant to say. So good. Well, that should be the action item for this week. Go see some people. Go see some people. Yeah. Go. We actually, that was the first action item that we ever gave on the podcast. Yeah. Was go say hi to somebody that you don't know. Let's take it a step further. That doesn't look like you. For some, that's going to be hard. For some, that'll be easy. And if you're struggling with that, pray about it. And it may not even be like a race thing. It could be an age thing. It could be a fitness thing. could be a gender thing, station of life, professional thing. Yeah, you drive a beater and someone drives next to you or pulls up next to you in a nice looking Mercedes. I mean, there's humility in that. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, pray about that. It's doable. You don't need any, you don't need to buy any accessories or, or sign up for any class or workshop to do this. Just, just go see the person of our name. Go, go love them. Go say hi to somebody. Just, See somebody. Like take a moment to be present and to to actually see them. You know what? Here's an expression of that. If you go out to eat this week, ask your waiter or waitress how they're doing. That's good. Yeah, do that. And I bet you they will be surprised. Because I don't think they get that a lot. No. It changes people when that happens. Changes the environment. Changes the vibe. Changes your heart. That's a great way for you to start seeing people the way Jesus does. Simple. All right, y'all. We're making it short, this one. Uh, I thought this was going to go to like a two-part episode, to be honest with you, but... You, uh, Adrian, you hit us right in the gut. You're like, hold up. Bah. Doesn't always need to be raised. Bah. I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll see, we'll see all that other <laughs> stuff, but let's, let's see them first. I love that. All right, y'all. We'll, uh, we'll talk. Actually next week we'll have Jessica on here. Oh yeah, that's right. We'll be a, we'll be a couple days late though, because, um, we're recording on a Friday mm-hmm. morning. So, Probably won't be up until Friday afternoon, evening, or even early Saturday morning. But but keep a watch out. We love you guys. We'll talk to you later. Later.